You are the brave red pioneers of Mars. You do what we could not do. You suffer so that others will flourish. Always remember that obedience is the highest virtue. Investigators are focusing in on terrorist group the Sons of Ares, who's believed to be behind the bombing that claimed the lives of an entire mining crew and technician group yesterday. But it's winter well on the way, the drafters have a new favorite emerging. Darrow Al Andromedus and fellow House Dranks, the Howlers, led a punishing assault on Pat Al Telemannus and House Minerva today. We'll break it all down for you, coming up next. You're of use because you're more than a weapon. When your wife died, she didn't just give you a vendetta. She gave you her dream. You're its keeper. Welcome to Hail Reaper. Hey everyone, welcome to episode four of Hail Reaper. My name is Philip, and I'm with my good friend Jeremy. You are with me. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> it's going well. Cool, man. Today is your favorite character, or at least one of your favorite characters. In this part of the book, he's my favorite. It's Mickey. For sure. So I'm excited for you to get to Thank this. Thank you. Yeah, you're, I hope you have a good time talking about one of your guys. So I wanted to talk about, I guess, off the top, I want to kind of give my brief thoughts on Mickey. I know I'll give you an opportunity, the same opportunity shortly. Um, the interesting thing about Mickey for me is that I feel like he... We were led to believe the story was something different, like for a long time, for like the first 10 chapters, which is like, I think, a considerable amount of time for a book, um, which which a, cha- a book that's 44 chapters. So it's like almost a fourth of the book. We were led to believe it's one story. And that story is the Reds are good and they are slaves and they're trying to overthrow their oppressors, the bad guys, the golds. And that's like kind of the silhouette of the story that we have. And it's so it feels very Star Wars, you know, like. Uh, what is like, uh, I, 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 what am I, I can't the remember what the name of it. Rebel Alliance? Rebel Alliance, thank you. Oh my oh gosh. My. I just lost 20 You're bird fired. points. Yeah. <laughs> um, Rebel Alliance, like versus, I, I, what I like to say, the the First Order. Oh. Uh, <laughs> it's the Empire, Tim man. just looked at me like he wanted to shoot me. Producer Tim's going to kill you. <laughs> no, um, the Empire. So I'm right way off the rails already. But anyway, <laughs> um, but yeah, we are led to believe the story is essentially that. It's essentially a kind of a good guys versus bad guys. Meeting Mickey exposes you to a whole different line of thinking. Because when you meet him, you're thinking like, He's so different. He's one, he's a different caste system. He's a violent. So that's like, and he's inherently different. I know Darrow even notes that he's rare, even like that's the term he uses. Like there is rares, whites to see a creative. So that's kind of interesting that we like, we're learning that he himself, just the person is a rarity in the world. I think that's kind of unique. But then also like he talks differently. He, he acts differently. He has a completely different way of reasoning with the world around him. And it kind of like makes me think, He's so unique. What other unique things are here? It's not, it is not a story of just purely good versus evil because we have this character breaking that mold and kind of disrupting it entirely. Yeah, he is all kinds of gray area. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he is both enslaved and, an, and, and a slaver. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, I, I like him a lot because of his eccentricity. Like the guy is, is crazy mm-hmm. and his the pacing that he brings to the story, he really accelerates things in, in both kind of his own mannerisms, I mean, pacing, but also yeah. like literal pacing through Pierce Brown. We see the story start with days on, you know, just days. 
yeah. um, to months, you yeah. know, that go by. I mean, who knows how long he's there? What? It is, it is months. We know that much. Because, like, the first part of the story, we, we, we kind of meet Darrow. We encounter him being what? Like, just getting off a shift in, like, in the minds of Lycos. And then we see him go home. We see him go to Laurel Tide. We see him get in trouble. We see him going to jail for three days. So we're, like, talking about four or five days tops in, in Lycos. And then all the way through the whole, like, kind of the, the dancer sweep. And then, like, when we get to Mickey, then it becomes way bigger, way longer, way more depth, I guess you could say. And that's provided through this character. And it brings a lot of light to the society and how they work within these elements, right? Because, again, we're, we're adding so much dimensionality with all these new colors. Mm-hmm. And you kind of go to his backstory, right? And you go back to the Grove where, and, and Pierce Brown never innately says this, but I, I, for some reason, just have this like strong sense that like parents aren't around. You yeah, know, with these, in the grove, with these kids. Yeah, like they're just abducting children, and like, or like not abducting, but like it's the slavery there, and they're they're taking them, and this is how you grow up in the society. In the same way, the Reds, they're at thirteen, they're mandated to go work in the mines. I'm assuming, like you like you're saying, it's probably the same thing. It's like maybe at a younger age, even taken from you know families or or told like if you're to go to you know summer <laughs> camp. Summer camp of drugs, and then we're going to teach you how to create in that process. Yeah, it, it is. It's it's summer camp with LSD, you know, and <laughs> yeah, and these kids are are drugged and they're made to envision and create and and you know see things differently, and mm-hmm. you know it just changes the the fabric of that color at that time. Yeah. Um, one book I, I read recently is A Brave New World uh, by Aldous Huxley, and it's it's not like a direct parallel. But, you know, in, in that book, uh, you know, natural procreation is not a thing. It's, it's cloning. Hmm. And the way they set up their caste system, similar to the society, is actually like through depriving the fetus of oxygen to different levels. It's one way. There's many ways. I'm just talking about one, right? So you actually kind of um, retard the development of certain caste systems so they're happy in their station, you know, and... And we kind of see this done in, again, not, not a perfect parallel, but we kind of see this done in the same way with, with drugs in this sense. You know, it's yeah. like we kind of make them fit this creative mold by, by use of hallucinogens and yeah. things. It's, it's insane. Yeah, because that seems like it has to be, in, it has to be in, the drug use has to be integrated in order for them to create the things they see in their dreams, give them those, that, those vivid imaginations, like kind of explore that stuff, explore that creative side. And then Jimi Hendrix made dope music while being on drugs. So I think it, it's proven to work. So um, anyway, the one thing that also Mickey does that's really cool is I feel like he really actually takes over the story. Like weirdly, you have, you know, Darrow is how we see the world because he is the, the narrating character and he's like the POV character. But in brief pockets and brief moments, Mickey kind of becomes the star of the book because, and it's through those things we just mentioned, like it's through the idea of him explaining the grove like that is so interesting like let's talk about that a lot more please you know i want to know more about the grove and you know the other thing like i want to know more about the things that he's carved in the past because we know darrow has been is being carved during that process and we know that he's carved these like girls i guess like we like you know young girls that are about his age ish that he's adding wings and horns and different like modifications to their body and then i think it's i mean it's pretty telling that he's like selling them as like sex slaves yeah essentially yeah. and that's what you said earlier he's like he's also he's a slaver but he's also a slave himself right but i want to know more about that too like he really kind of like becomes 
a focal point of like, well, how how do you get this club? How do you get this um, this ability to kind of be above, like still a slave, but be above everything that would kind of a typical slave would be in? Like, I wish I knew more of his backstory. In those brief moments, he does steal your attention away from Daryl. And I'm it, for me, I care about what's going with him briefly, even more than I care about what's going on with Daryl. So I think that's really interesting because we see that happen with other characters in the future of this book. You know, we'll see like some howlers and, you know, whatever, like all the kids at the Institute. They kind of share equal components or equal parts with Daryl in a sense. Like they become, they become primary characters. But this is the first time that Daryl's had to share the spotlight with another character. Uh, and at this point in the book through the first 10 chapters. And and he actually has this similarity he shares with Darrow in that he's very happy in his station. Yeah, initially, yeah. Yeah. You know, Mickey, Mickey's very happy with his club, with, mm-hmm. with his girls, you know? Yeah. Um, you can see that by just like his rhetoric. Like he just, he is happy. He's bouncy. He's like, like my darling, my beautiful boy. Like he's like, oh, you are you're strong and I am brilliant and someone's got to, got to dot God's eyes. Like his pride is always like flowing from him. So he's super happy in his station. Otherwise he wouldn't be like that prideful. Yeah, definitely. But you, you know, you talked about the language a little bit. It, it, it reminds me of the, the kind of his bedside manner, you know, yeah. when I'm thinking of him kind of in the white doctor's coat, <laughs> Yeah. you know, and, and he, he has these interesting like phrases that he uses with Darrow. I, you have a bunch of them memorized, right? You'll yeah. Rattle them off. Well, like my darling, my beautiful boy. Like, you know, he's referring to him as like a pet, like rather than like, or a creature, not so much as another person. He's yeah. always kind of talking to him like something different. Yeah. And he has this, this strange, like way he does that in this mannerism in which he adores things, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's funny how he has this kind of like respect for his creations in his realm. You know, he he certainly also has a lot of respect for the golds. You know, he fears them, um, probably for good reason. <laughs> yeah. You know, but but even even when it comes to uh it's a dancer, you know, whom he clearly knows, uh yeah, he, they, he, he like disregards him at first. Completely. Like I actually like that scene that when you meet, when everyone converges in the club for the first time. That's such an interesting scene. He doesn't even look up from his puzzle cube. Yeah. And he's addressing, he's like, ah, dancer, like, ah, harmony. He's kind of addressing them individually. And then a dancer actually calls him Mick. He doesn't call him Mickey. Like he just has like, he just, there's, there is like, they have encountered each other numerous times in order for that to be so like fluid for them to have just like a kind of, I wouldn't say a friendship, but just like a working relationship for sure. And we, I wish I knew more about that too. Another (laughs) thing that I'm like, why does Dancer know this guy? And like, and to this depth where they can call each other, like Nick and nicknames each other. And then, and then Mickey can also kind of be like, kind of make fun of him. He's like, I heard you, I heard you walk in the door from the, you know, your, your dead leg. I could hear you dragging that thing behind you or your dead arm rather, excuse me. Yeah. And it's, it's just funny because, you know, Harmony again, still has that bomb strapped to her that we were talking about earlier. Yeah. And it takes them like literally hitting the puzzle cube out of his hands before he finally looks up and, and pays them any mind and, and wants to know what the business is. But but he kind of goes on to further ridicule them. Mm. You know, he, he has a lot of respect for Aries, obviously. Um, but, you know, the whole mission and everything, he talks very poorly of their plan. <laughs> he, doesn't, yeah. he doesn't buy in. Doesn't buy in at all. Let's actually talk about some quotes here because like some of our favorite quotes from Mickey because they actually kind of discuss that exact yeah. thing. So let's move on to that. Go ahead and read that first quote for us. All righty. Personally, I don't want to make you a man. Men are so very frail. Men break, men die. 
no, I've always wished to make a God. That just shows off like the pride, you know, like he's like, he's wanting to create something so special and he's dreamed about this. They even talk about that, you know, like I dreamed about making you once. And he's like, Daryl's like, was it a good dream? And then he's like, no, it wasn't. It was one of like a demon, <laughs> it was a, a lover yeah. of fire. Yeah. So, but, but it does show like the fact that he's just, he's chasing, he's always chasing something. And he's like, he's like, he is really wildly creative, but he's also a surgeon. That's kind mm -hmm. of like, you don't see an artist and a surgeon ever conver converge very often. <laughs> right. And when you do, that's, that's kind of scary. Things of nightmares right <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, go ahead and read uh, the next quote. My boy, they are murdering you. You are not a gold. You cannot do what a gold can do. That's, that's speaking to what you spoke about a minute ago. Like, he's, he's completely like, dis, he disregards their plan. Like, there's no way we can take, we can just throw some gold paint on you, essentially. That's kind of how he's making it sound or whatever. He'll give you some eyes, give you the little, you know, give you the sigils on your hands and just like pretend that you're a gold and walk around, especially to the level that uh, Dancer and Harmony want to make him all the way to they want They want Orient, yeah. Yeah, they want full on Peerless. Yeah. And he's like, there's no way. I love that. Like, he like, that kind of, there's a setup for that. He's like, he turns and like looks at Daryl for a long moment. I believe that's the setup. And then he says, my boy, they are murdering you. Like in the audiobook, it's <laughs> yeah. like, he's like, this is stupid. Yeah. Like, don't do this. Um, but little did he know. And that's like this cool, that's the great setup essentially to what happens with Daryl grabbing the puzzle cube and totally like showing out and like making sure, making sure that he knows like Daryl kind of a mic drop moment for that, which is a great moment. Well, yeah. And again, they're not talking about just like, a pixie or a bronzy or something like that. They're talking about a peerless, you yeah. know, about the Orient. And that's, and he views them, and we kind of skipped over this in the last quote, but he views them as gods. Mm. You know, that's you, that's a kind of an interchangeable word for that quote in a way. Yeah, for sure. Go ahead and read uh, quote three. Mankind was always enslaved, they'll say. Freedom enslaves us to lust, to greed. Take freedom away, and they give me a life of dreaming. They gave you a life of sacrifice, family, community, and society is stable. There is no famine, no genocide, no great wars. The thing that sticks out the most is something that we've discussed before is how this feels so much of his own. This, feel, this quote feels like so much of his own thinking. It's not something that's been regurgitated by, you know, like, so Daryl has that moment in the garden where he, him and Eeyore are arguing back and forth about like, you know, uh, you know, kind of like they're at polar opposites of how they view the world. And, and Daryl goes like, there's nobility to obedience. And EO is like, are you a talking puppet? You know, like no way. <laughs> yeah. And so, cause he's just regurgitating something here before and it sounds good. This quote is weird because it sounds a hundred percent natural, hundred percent real. Like he's thought about this, like mankind is always enslaved. Like there's no like, and like, at least in this world, in this realm, I am, I'm able to do what I want to do. I don't have to suffer any famine, no genocide, no great wars. I'm, I'm good. Like I'm, you know. Yeah. I mean, he, he's even making a callback to like present time, like, you know, 2020 right now, you know, saying that, you know, we're still enslaved just to, to greed, to yeah. lust, you know, like everyone's always been enslaved. So, you know, I might as well understand these masters and have these benefits is, is kind of what yeah, he's saying. Yeah, he's like, he actually understands this type of slavery. So it's like, I'm good with this. But again, it's, it's like, he's happy in a station. Like, that's the term that you keep using. And it's like, it's just such a, he's so weird. Like, I know <laughs> that, I know that makes him kind of great at the same time because we needed a character. I feel like we needed a character and I, it was, he was perfectly placed in about the 10th chapter. There was just such a disruptor 
you know, I've, I've said this before. It's like with you, it's like throwing a live grenade into, into a scene and it's like, okay, what, what happens? Like, holy crap. And it's like, that is Mickey. He's just kind of, he's so bombastic and he, he's so different in his thinking. He's so different in his language. He's so different in, uh, I mean, you name it, different, everything, character, cast, everything. So let's go ahead and, uh, do one more thing before we wrap up and kind of talk about Mickey. There's something that's kind of a bit of an Easter egg here where the sons of Aries feel like they're, they are rather what we, we believe this. They're intentionally hiding what they know about the Institute from Darrow. And we actually see that in a conversation that happens between Mateo and Darrow. But right off the bat, right when we get to the club, we see Mickey actually kind of give a nod to what the Institute is. Because at that point, that's about chapter 10 or 11. And the Institute doesn't happen for another six or seven chapters, I believe. I can't remember off the top of my head. But we don't know, we don't know what the Institute is. I think I love that Pierce Brown keeps it a secret from us. But he actually doesn't. He actually tips it right here with, with Mickey. So Mickey says, the Institute is not a school. It's a coaling ground where the golds go to hack at one another till the strongest in mind and body is found. Like he literally is giving a perfect summary of what <laughs> the Institute is all the way in chapters like what, 10 or 11. I can't remember exactly where that quote's birthed there. But it's interesting because um, I love that Pierce is using that as a reason to kind of just go, hey, like if you were paying attention, you wouldn't be surprised by the time you got to the Institute with Darrow. But he's, and he's using Mickey as that device. That second quote that he has, unless you have something to add to that real quick. No, I'm going to wait for your second okay, quote. Okay, cool, cool. So the second quote that Mickey has is while they're doing surgery um, with Darrow. And he says, at one point, you must be of iron if you want to last the Institute. And I think that's so weird because like Darrow doesn't at any point go, why? <laughs> like, why do I need to be made of iron? <laughs> like, um, just because like my bones need to be X amount stronger than, than the other my other, you know, my former bones used to be, I don't, it just, he never interjects. And that obviously should have warned Darrow to a point of he's going to have to go through some pretty physically crushing stuff. Yeah. I think, you know, a, a bit of a callback to the EO episode a couple weeks ago. I, <laughs> I have this sense that like Darrow is again, out front watering his lawn mm. in front of his white picket fence. I mean, Mickey clearly tells him what's lying ahead. And I have no clue how with all like the supporting evidence and and what they're doing to his body yes. that, that he somehow gets all the way to Mateo and is like, hey, what's this place like? Oh, it's it's classes and school. Yeah, that's the oh. answer he gives. He's like, it's full of classes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it's it's this aloofness with Darrow again. Yeah. And it's funny because he like he is so wildly intelligent. He is. And then at the same time, he's just like kind of ignorant. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, like. I mean, but it doesn't say that way for long. And he's, but the cool thing about Daryl, like to, you know, this is about more about Daryl than Mickey, but he's so adaptive. And I think that they were kind of also trying to shield him. The Sons of Aries, not Mickey, because Mickey's obviously trying to, he's almost going out of his way to tell uh, Daryl what the Institute is. But Sons of Aries are just trying to shield him from that. Like, hey, like, guess what you're going to go do? You know, like you're going to go into a school full of children. You're going to basically play Lord of the Flies for, you know, about a year of your life. Yeah. Like, would Daryl sign up for that? Probably not. But Mickey, you know, but Mickey is like, he's just so eccentric and just so open with his thinking, which is like, again, another character quality that is not really available to us until this point. Yeah, What's up? They can't tell him. I mean, you have a guy who initially wanted to die. You know, he, mm -hmm. he wanted to kind of answer his wife's death with his own. And then he got pulled into the Sons of Aries, right? And now he wanted to be a suicide bomber. 
And then they say, yeah, you know what? We're going to play the long game. We're going to infiltrate. We're going to take down this empire from within. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is high risk. Yeah. You know, they're putting him into situations where he can die at any moment throughout the entire thing, you know? And if he is, if he, if he dies in the Institute in some weird way, nothing, there's no, nothing is served. Yeah. You know, he's no redemptive quality to it at all. Nothing. Yeah. And to make him aware of that risk, I mean, he could easily just be like, no, nah, suicide bomber for me then. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, we're good. I think he would have chose that, you know, mm -hmm. knowing. So, but anyway, do you have anything you want to say about specifically Mickey before we bounce? Um, you know, another reason I like him is because I, because you remind me of him. I feel like, I don't, I don't feel like that's a compliment. Uh, it should be. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we talk about how he's a bad guy and all that kind of stuff. You're not a bad guy. No. But, and just that creative nature, and, and, and you change the pacing of my life. There, there you go. That's so, cool. So, how about those two qualities you remind me well, of? Well, I would think if I were to pick what <laughs> color I'd be, it would be violet. That's another reason, yeah. Yeah, because I think creative. I want to be, I would like to be, I'd like to be creative as much as possible, even if the expense of slavery and expense of drugs, I think actually kind of would oddly sign up for that. Um, what about you, actually? I'd be Before a, we go, I'd be a boring silver. Yeah. Yeah. You could hang out with Quicksilver and, and do some, uh, do some stocks and some bonds and stuff like that. I guess so. Not very <laughs> exciting, but that's that's. Hey, what you I could would be, do. but you could be also you could work for the Sons of Aries in that role too. That's true. Yeah, you could help. So that's cool. Anyway, we're gonna wrap up there. Until next time, hail Reaper. Hail Reaper. Thanks to Pierce Brown for writing the beloved Red Rising series. A special thanks to Tim, our engineer and sound designer. Check out his music on Spotify by looking for the link in our podcast description. And thanks to all our contributors who made this show possible. If you enjoy what you hear, please take a moment to rate and review us on your respective podcast platforms. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Hail Reaper Pod, and you can email us at HailReaperPod at gmail.com. If you'd like to support us, please take a look on our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Hail Reaper. Until next time, for my co-host Philip, I'm Jeremy. Thanks for listening.